Orleans Jazz Vipers at WBAI New York City. Good evening and welcome to tonight's live coverage of the public advocate election here on WBAI 99.5 FM New York and streaming live on WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for Newsweek, The Daily News, lots of places. I'm the co-host of Driving Forces here on WBAI on Thursdays at 5 p.m., but I'm here with you tonight as part of very special coverage for this special citywide vote. So as you probably know, if you've been keeping an eye on city politics, which our listeners here at WBAI tend to do, uh, this watchdog job of public advocate is up for grabs after being vacated by Letitia James. She's now our state attorney general. And there are 17, yep, 17 names on the ballot today. Polls closed at 9 p.m. here in New York City. We're going to have live results for you as they come in from the Board of Elections. And we're going to have some great guests to help us figure out what it all means. And I just want to make sure that you guys have our number because we are going to be taking your calls tonight. And I really, really do want to hear from you about whether you voted today, who you supported if you did vote, uh, if you chose not to vote, how come you stayed home? And if you uh, did go out, how was your experience at the polls? No matter what you did, let me know. We do want to hear from you. 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. And we are very interested to hear from you about, uh, you know, this is this is kind of an interesting race. This is a, um, a somewhat, um, interesting job for a lot of reasons. It's the watchdog job for the city. It's supposed to be a counterbalance to the mayor. It's supposed to be a place where people can go when they need help, when they're not getting satisfaction from the government. And uh, also, interestingly enough, it is the job that is uh, second in the, the line of succession to the mayor. So that in itself is very important and, uh, you know, very much worth looking at this, uh, uh, looking at this office, even though, you know, interestingly enough, there are a lot of people who say, well, you know, are we really sure that we want to uh, continue on with the office of public advocate? It doesn't really have a lot of statutory power. They can't, uh, you know, introduce, I mean, they can introduce, but they can't pass legislation. They are, uh, don't have voting power uh, in the same way, say, 
uh, members of the city council do or members of the state assembly or senate do. Uh, there are a lot of things that public advocates uh, over the years have been able to do to uh, to exploit and expand on the power of the office. But some people say, like, look, uh, it's only a couple of million bucks. Maybe we should use this money for something else. Or maybe we should uh, increase the budget and make the office more powerful. Or maybe, you know, if you want to be cynical about it, as uh, we all uh, we all tend to be, uh, all of us people who follow city politics, if you want to be cynical about it, well, you know, maybe it's just a, uh, a springboard to the mayoralty. So we are going to be talking about uh, a lot of those things tonight. Uh, but again, if you want to uh, uh, call into us and let me know, what you think about the public advocate race. It's an interestingly timed race. We don't usually have uh, citywide special elections or any elections, really, uh, typically. And uh, the dead of winter, at the end of February on a, you know, uh, late night here, uh, Tuesday night, uh, polls, as we said, did close at 9 p.m. And we are interested to find out as well what the turnout's going to be like. So we are going to have, hopefully through the, uh, the Board of Elections here in New York City, uh, some unofficial, uh, unofficial, unofficial election results. Uh, we do see this is coming up uh, as we speak. And uh, if, as we predict, the turnout is not going to be humongous uh, here in, in New York where there are uh, uh, more than 5 million registered voters, then maybe we'll get the results pretty quickly. Uh, but um, on the other hand, you know, something could always happen. There could be a close call election. Uh, there are, as we said, 17 people running in this. It's a it's sort of a nonpartisan election in the sense that people from all different parties, mainly Democratic because we are here in, in New York City, but uh, people were able to choose the names of their own ballot lines. And so this is really kind of a not for a free-for-all, but maybe has a little bit more leeway than the closed primaries that we see uh, typically um, and not really as regimented by party as uh, most of the elections that I've covered. Um, so we are, uh, we are going to be hearing from a bunch of special guests tonight. Uh, as we mentioned, a lot of them, uh, lucky for me and lucky for you, I hope, uh, are going to be... Um, very, very prepared to talk about this because they are people who have been involved with tracking public advocate, uh, uh, you know, this, this, the complexity of this election, uh, people who've been involved even in, in campaigns. And so we are, uh, we are lucky to be able to have some of these guests uh, coming up pretty shortly. And uh, we will have different guests from different aspects of, uh, you know, of coverage, of campaign involvement, uh, of city government throughout the night, uh, you know, people from the press and so on. But again, I really do want to emphasize, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you about what public advocate means to you. Have you ever used the services of the Office of Public Advocate? Or are you, uh, you know, uh, sort of unfamiliar with what the whole thing is about? And is it, uh, is it, uh, kind of extraneous, do you think? There are uh, 
there's not that much money relative to the overall city budget being spent on this office. But again, it is the person who is second in line in succession to the mayoralty. And uh, that makes a big difference. So we would like to hear from you, 212-209-2877. We know you have a lot of choices about where to be following the uh, where to be following the results of tonight's uh, election. And right now we are looking actually at, uh, before we even go to our first guest, who will be coming on in uh, just a matter of minutes, um, we are looking at some very, very early results here. Uh, and it doesn't look like huge turnout just yet, uh, with just a uh, little under 6% reporting. Uh, right now in the lead is Jumani Williams. He's a Uh, city councilman from Brooklyn. His party, for the purposes of this election, is called It's Time, Let's Go. Uh, Interestingly, right now, and again, these are very, very, very early returns. And I always have this joke about uh, tweeting about early returns where I say, you know, with uh, with zero uh, percent of zero precincts reporting, we know absolutely nothing. So I uh, try to try to take some of these results with a grain of salt. But looking again at the uh, early results at uh, that are being displayed via the City Board of Elections, we have Jumani Williams with the It's Time Let's Go Party first place uh, coming up right behind him. Pretty close. Uh, Eric Ulrich, uh, a city councilman from Queens, who is running on the Common Sense Party, happens to be one of the few members of uh, city government of the city council who is a uh, Republican. And then in uh, third position, uh, Melissa Mark Viverito, former uh, speaker of the city council, uh, running under the party line called Fix the MTA. So again, just uh, want to remind you, don't want to get carried away. These are very early results, and we are expecting that, uh, that things will, uh, will change up during the, uh, the course of the evening. But, you know, let us know. I think that we are going to be able to uh, have an interesting discussion, no matter who wins, no matter who wins about who is going to be our uh, our next public advocate and what is the future of the job. And, okay, look, uh, good news, guys, right on time. Always, always much appreciated. We have on the line with us our very first guest uh, who's going to help us figure out some of the backstory on this race. So we're joined by Ben Max. He's the co-host of Max and Murphy right here on WBAI Wednesdays at 5 p.m. And he's the executive editor of the Gotham Gazette. So, Ben, thanks very much. I know it's a busy night. Really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, sure, Celeste. Good to join you. Absolutely. So, okay, so uh, you know, maybe give us the 30,000-foot the view just to start. Why should the people who are listening tonight uh, care, about this, care about this office? You know, it's funny. It's it's an office that has a fairly small budget at about three and a half million dollars, and people sort of ridicule sometimes the public advocate is not really having that much responsibility uh, or that much impact. But it's actually a very important office with a lot of responsibility. And I don't know that you know any pub- public advocate yet has has fully met those responsibilities because it is so challenging with a small budget. And maybe that's a discussion for another time. But um, you know, the public advocate is supposed to be the watchdog over the rest of city government, is supposed to have their ear to the ground to represent sort of everyday New Yorkers who have trouble getting city services or have problems in the city that city government's not addressing. 
So it's an important role, and, and it certainly also has the added aspect of being the next in line to the mayor. If something were to happen to the mayor, um, you know, the public advocate steps in at least temporarily until a special election. And, and we've also, of course, seen previous public advocates, Bill de Blasio, Tish James, go on to, uh, to higher office. And you were mentioning a little bit earlier when we were going back and forth uh, preparing to to do this live program tonight about this sort of backstory about the coalition building that was uh, that was required here. You have some people who are are fairly well known, other people who might be sort of jumping in for the first time. But you do have, say, like a small group of front runners and they might be competing for a lot of the same support, whether it's. you know, sort of marquee endorsements, union support. Tell us a little bit about what went into the making of this election. Yeah, I think you laid it out really well there. There's 17 names on the ballot as folks who went to vote no, um, and that's a really wide group of candidates. And actually, we had a fairly deep group of candidates, too. You had many elected officials, and, you know, some of them ran because you could run and you don't have to give up your seat. It's not like your your current seat is on the ballot as well. So they were able to run with really very little risk. Um, and so you wound up having this big pool of candidates, many of them with, with a base and with a resume. But, you know, the bottom line is that many of them either represent or represented a city council district or a state assembly district. Okay, so you start with, you know, some of your constituents who voted for you before, maybe voting for you in the special election, but how do you break through elsewhere? How do you go out of your district and win some support in other parts of the city, especially in your home borough and then branching out to other boroughs? And, you know, that's where I think most likely, you know, folks expect Jamani Williams of Brooklyn to to win this thing because he has so many endorsements from groups and clubs and elected officials, not just in Brooklyn, but around the city. And, you know, you've had a few other candidates who've been able to do some of that as well, like Eric Ulrich, the only Republican elected official in the field. Um, But his challenge, of course, is making getting Republicans out to vote uh, for him. And we we know, of course, by registration numbers, there's just such a smaller number than there are Democrats in the city. And one of the things that I I saw that was interesting, and obviously you saw as you are, uh, as you're covering the race, is there were some what you might call quasi 11th hour uh, uh, stories about some of these candidates that you could say arguably were a little bit damaging. Uh, you know, depends on how those stories came about. But there were some stories about uh, Jumani Williams, the front runner, as you mentioned, um, but also some of the other candidates in this campaign. And I'm just curious to know what you think about how those uh, those stories might have played into people's decision either for who to vote for or whether or not to vote at all. Right. You know, that's that's often tough to tell. I wish one of the things I wish we had in local elections was better exit polling, um, you know, to really get a sense of people as they as they voted, why they voted, who they voted for, what was the motivating factor. You know, those are some of the things we wind up getting with like presidential campaigns that I wish we had in local elections. Um, you know, there was there were certainly some tough articles that came out, some tough stories about Jamani Williams, not just in the last couple of days, but through the course of the campaign, in part because he was seen as the front runner all along. I don't know what kind of impact that might have on him. Um, there was certainly a, a tough profile of Numiki Kant that came out uh, by Politico in in recent days. Again, it's hard to say if that really dissuaded anybody from voting for her. Um, you know, we, we saw some of this 
some of the type of stuff we see in many elections where um, either reporters are, are looking into the histories and the profiles and the platforms of candidates, or you have, you know, some op- opposition research being being dropped. Um, you know, I think a lot of people had a candidate um, coming into the last week of the race, probably, and then there were probably some people cramming over the last few days and there's a chance they saw a couple negative stories on certain folks, and, and that could eliminate those people from their their choices. And from from what we understand, um, obviously there was this piece, uh, I believe, that came out of the uh, the New York Daily News, which is my, my old newspaper yes. for uh, yes. 15 years, uh, but talking about uh, Councilman Jamani Williams, and we might just add, by the way, that he just came off another race, right? He was running for lieutenant governor. He's, uh, he did, and, and I'd, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think. I mean... <laughs> You know, Jemani Williams ran for lieutenant governor and did very well, but that was a one-on-one primary with a uh, sitting lieutenant governor who's from the Buffalo area. Right, so Kathy Hochul. You know, I don't know if that immediately translates into winning this election, but he did retain a lot of the endorsements of groups like the Working Families Party, which jumped in, you know, pretty much right away when he decided to run for public advocate. So maybe that's what you know, catapults him if he wins this, you know, it's because he was able to retain a lot of the support he had from that race. But I don't know, you know, I don't know what you think, if that really matters as much as some of us might might think it does. Well, that's the interesting thing. And that's uh, another thing that's going to be on people's minds tonight. Uh, or at least, you know, those of us who are doing the uh, the uh, analysis part of it. Um, Giovanni Williams did have this piece come out about him, about a uh, an arrest that was uh, this is not recent. This is obviously way back in 2009, 2009 think, yeah. right? It involved a uh, a dispute with uh, uh, his then partner, girlfriend at the time. Uh, charges were dropped. Uh, the case was sealed, but uh, it did give it did give an opportunity for some people to question him and and ask, uh, you know, what what was going on with him. I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the uh, on the other hand, I'm looking at the board of elections uh, uh, rolling results again. Not uh, well. Now we are actually up to almost fifty percent counted, and I'm just going to refresh uh, this. But it's uh, yeah, it's. But you remember yeah. how it used to be in the old days? We have uh, Jamani Williams up at uh, about twenty nine and a half percent. Eric Ulrich, twenty point six nine percent of the vote, and in third we have Melissa Mark Viverito, the former Speaker of the City Council, eleven point four two percent. So uh, a damaging story about Jamani Williams uh, doesn't look to me like it. Uh, it uh, you know completely sank his uh, his uh, no, political ambitions no. to say the least. And he had, you know, he had even more than one. I mean, that was the big one that came out in the last few days. And I don't know that he fully uh, really gave a satisfactory explanation for what had happened uh, nine or so years ago. And maybe those questions will continue to pop up. You know, one of the one of the interesting things here is that whoever wins has to defend this seat if they choose to, which they most likely would in an upcoming election this year. Um, which would mean a primary in June and a general election in November, depending on who surfaces with a challenge. So, you know, some of these things that have dogged Jamani Williams, um, you know, prior to this article about a 2009 arrest, you know, his positions on marriage equality and uh, women's reproductive rights, you know, those things are probably going to continue to remain questions for him because it's very unlikely if he wins that he would go unchallenged moving forward. 
And we should we should also say, of course, you know, 50% in, so it's looking like he's in a good position, but we'll see what else happens here in the next few minutes. And, uh, no, absolutely. And, uh, Ben Max, I know that you have been, uh, you've been very generous with your time. I know you're out there, uh, covering this, I guess. Um, one more question for you, just, just sure. out of like, you know, sheer curiosity as we're looking at the, uh, um, results here. Again, Eric Ulrich, uh, as of the last refresh that we have here, still at uh, 20.69, almost 21%. Uh, one of the few people in uh, in city uh, in the city council who is a, a Republican and known to be a Republican, registered Republican, has uh, uh, not made any uh, bones about this. What does it tell you that in a, uh, an election here where you don't see an R or a D, but you see everyone coming up with their own individual party line. Eric Ulrich is, uh, you know, uh, at least very competitive here. Yeah, no, he's putting on a good showing here. I actually wasn't sure, and I, I really didn't have a good sense of how he would do. I knew he'd be in the top four probably, but uh, I wasn't quite sure how he would do, and it does seem like he's going to probably come in second. But, um, you know, I think it's interesting because Republicans... There were two Republicans in the race, but Ulrich really the only serious one, the only elected official. And so the county parties of all the boroughs, you know, backed him and sent out emails to their mailing lists and things like that. And, you know, the people coming out for this election are the diehard politicos, people really paying attention to politics locally. So, you know, wouldn't it shouldn't be shocking that the most tuned in Republicans and maybe some conservative Democrats, uh, you know, got out and voted for in this race, considering he's the, really the only candidate, viable candidate on the ballot who would be to the right of Mayor de Blasio and most of the rest of city government. It's just interesting. No, I'm interested to hear your uh, your thoughts on that, because as usual, you know, uh, and as you well know, uh, New York is very, very blue. But in a lot of the country, and especially among a lot of younger voters, people are not really feeling that sort of straight party uh loyalty that they they have felt you know maybe their parents have felt or their grandparents felt people are feeling a little bit more uh independent people are feeling a little bit more like uh they're not so tied to uh to the traditional party structure i i wonder if this might be you know yeah well you know what's actually interesting is there are more unaffiliated registered voters in new york city than there are republicans so (laughs) you know if if eric ulrich does fairly well here, you know, we won't really know if it's because he got a lot of Republicans to come out of vote or, or people who are, you know, so-called blanks, they, you know, independents uh, came out and voted for him as well because they're not crazy about Mayor de Blasio or whatever it might be. Um, you know, this is this race was an opportunity for Ulrich especially to say, and this is sort of his tagline, I would be the mayor's worst nightmare because he would be the one you know, most likely to really tightly, toughly hold him accountable, whereas just about all the other viable candidates, you know, are pretty aligned with the mayor, even if they are, you know, disappointed with him here and there. Absolutely. So Ben Max is the executive editor of the Gotham Gazette and the co-host of Max and Murphy right here on WBAI Wednesdays at five o'clock. Check them out. And Ben, if people want to find out more about you and your work, where should we send them? Where should they look? Come on over to GothamGazette.com. Perfect. Ben, Max, thank you very much for uh, helping me out tonight. Really appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. And you are listening to WBAI.
99.5 FM, and we're streaming live also, WBAI.org. You're listening to special coverage of tonight's uh, public advocate election here in New York City. I'm your host, Celeste Katz. I'll be here with you until 11 o'clock. So very interested to uh, hear from you. We will be taking your calls pretty shortly. But uh, if you had a, an interesting experience at the polls today, did you see lines? Was was there nobody showing up? Did, did you get your sticker? Always a very important question. Did you get your sticker? 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. And uh, the uh, results are streaming in uh, actually pretty, pretty quickly here. I'm just going to give you guys one more update. Okay, we are at, according to the official Board of Elections, well, unofficial, but the uh, online tally, uh, just a little over 63% of the vote has been counted. And right now we have Jumani Williams of the It's Time Let's Go party at uh, almost 31% of the vote. Uh, in second place, Eric Ulrich of the Common Sense party at uh, slightly under 20%. Melissa Mark Viverito, former uh, city council speaker uh, with the Fix the MTA party at uh, 11.49%. So while we're waiting for the rest of the results to come in, actually we have uh, another guest who is going to be helping us out. Uh, It's always important to follow the money in these things. And uh, to that end, we are glad to be joined by uh, Amy Loprest. She is the executive director of the uh, New York City Campaign Finance Board, and they have uh, uh, parceled out, in accordance with uh, a lot of uh, rules and requirements here, um, millions and millions of dollars through the city's public financing option. And... uh, it's very interesting for us to see, you know, that uh, New York's uh, New York's program has been kind of a model for uh, for public financing uh, in other places, well beyond our own borders. And uh, uh, we're very happy to have you with us tonight, Amy. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, the uh, the dollars and cents of of what we saw in the public advocates election. Well, hello, Celeste. Thank you for having me on. Um, This was a really interesting and extraordinary election because, um, you know, this special election was the first citywide special election that's been held since the Campaign Finance Board was established in 1988. So it's kind of an extraordinary event. But also, it was the first election that was held under the new matching funds program, which was adopted by the voters from the Charter Revision in November. So the new program matches the first $250 contributed by a city resident at an 8-to-1 ratio. So any of these candidates who collected a $10 contribution, it was worth $90 to them. And so it's had a really positive effect um, on this race. Uh, uh, there were 17 candidates on the ballot today, and 11 of those candidates qualified for public funds. Uh, the CFB paid out a total of $7.1 million um, in public fund- matching funds to candidates in this public advocate race. And, you know, that's an incredibly remarkable amount given there was, you know, this is a very time-pressured, short time for candidates to raise and qualify for the matching funds. Yeah, that's interesting to me. When you say it was, it was kind of a crunch. And obviously, again, we are uh, in the middle of this cycle because uh, our former public advocate, uh, Letitia James, has gone on to become our our state attorney general. So um, 
I know that the CFB does a lot besides just, uh, d you know, do the tally with uh, with money and, and uh, hand out these uh, matching funds. Uh, you guys do a lot of work with uh, uh, voter education and getting out candidate guides and, and trying to, like, um, you know, basically encourage people to, to get educated and get involved. Um, this is a weird timing election, you know, the end of February. It's it's sort of random. We, we're used to voting in, in June, September, November. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you uh, uh, how you um, uh, got people involved in this. So, you know, it is a difficult thing to, you know, it's special elections are always a challenge because they come at unpredictable times, not on a regular, you know, scheduled election day. And so one of the things that we do is, you know, is a lot of voter education, as you pointed out. And so there were two debates that were um, that the CFB was the sponsor of. Uh, they, you know, one uh, was held in the beginning of February and one just two weeks, a week last week seems like longer ago, but it was last Wednesday, and um, of, among the leading contenders. So, you know, these, these citywide debates are really the kind of best way for the public to see all the candidates all at once on the same stage, you know, and answering the same questions and get a good impression of them. But we also produce the New York City Voter Guide, so that was available online, um, where candidates submitted both written statements and video statements, and we do that for every single election. So if people, when there's the next election come in June, there'll be a primary, they can look at voting.nyc to look at the voter guide. Um, mm -hmm. And also we do, you know, a bunch of, we have uh, lists that people can join. You can uh, go to our website and join our mailing list so that you get election reminders and alerts. And we also do um, some phone banking of people that we've registered to vote to encourage them to come out and vote. So nonpartisan uh, phone banking to get out the vote. And if people want to find out more about the uh, campaign finance board, uh, where should they look for uh, where should they look for more information? So our website is nyccfb new york city campaign finance board dot info so they can go there and get all the information about candidates finances and all the information they need um about voting and information about candidates running for city office wonderful amy Loprest is the di executive director of the new york city campaign finance board amy thanks so much for joining us on wbai tonight thank you Celeste. And you are listening to special coverage of the New York City Public Advocate election right here on WBAI, 99.5 FM New York, and streaming live on WBAI.org. And uh, we are looking at here. I'm hearing that some people are uh, calling it and saying it's all over. Uh, you know, it's uh, not over till it's over. But right now I am looking at uh, with more than 78%. More than 78%, according to the uh, Board of Elections, of uh, percentage of scanners reported. We have Jumani Williams uh, of Brooklyn, the councilman of the It's Time, Let's Go party, with 32.81%, um, followed by uh, Eric Ulrich, uh, councilman of Queens, with the Common Sense Party in this case, uh, 
19.35. Wow, they just changed the numbers. Okay, now Jamani Williams is at 32.79. Uh, Eric Ulrich at 19.35%. And uh, in third place, uh, Melissa Mark Viverito fixed the MTA party, former uh, city council speaker, at 11.04%. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's difficult to say. Anything can happen. But we are uh, coming to the, uh, the end of... Uh, the tabulation here, and it certainly looks, certainly, certainly looks like Jumani Williams is uh, very, very comfortably uh, in the lead for for this contest. Uh, did you vote for him? Uh, I'd be interested to hear if you want to let us know. Absolutely, give us a call. Two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. We're going to have another guest coming up in just a little bit, uh, but we want to know. 212-209-2877. Jamani Williams, interesting, uh, very, very interesting person. I, I um, covered him when he was in the city council. I remember uh, I moderated a, uh, a forum with him when he was running for lieutenant governor. Did quite well, quite well um, against the uh, incumbent, uh, Kathy Hochul. Um, you know, a guy with an interesting background, an interesting life story, um, does have a history of uh, of being arrested in uh, public protests and um, civil disobedience events. But he did have, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we did have uh, you know some stories about him uh, that came in that were um, you know possibly unflattering. Was he able to address those uh, appropriately? Uh, uh, and uh, was he able to uh, to clear that out? Maybe it didn't matter, or maybe the endorsements that he got from newspapers did matter. I think we have a caller on the line, Max. Is that right? We do not. Oh, well, you know, try again. Try, try again. Uh, 212-209-2877. If you want to talk about what's going on here in the uh, public advocates race, we are refreshing uh, the results as we speak. And... Uh, we are very interested to hear from you. This is not an unimportant office. We do have a caller. Okay, let's see. Uh, hi, WBAI. You're on the air. Where are you calling from? What's your name? I'm calling from um, Queens right now. Okay. So uh, what do you think about public advocate? What's up? I think it's a um, great idea. We need to oversee the city. So I think it's an important office. And did you uh, did you get to vote today? No, because I'm not a New York City resident. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, do you have a sense of who you would have voted for if uh, you had been able to vote? I'd probably vote for Jamani Williams. Okay, so uh, tell me a little bit about what uh, what about Jamani Williams was uh, attractive to you if you if you could have voted in the uh, in the election today. He's an activist. I would go with the activist. You know, he's wearing for a lieutenant governor, name recognition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think the public advocate should be uh, doing for the people? What do you think uh, is the most important job of the public advocate? I think the most important job of the public advocate is to oversee the city, make sure the city is doing things correctly. You know, we have a lot of issues here with the housing authority, with the MTA, you know, what just happened with um, Amazon. 
good position once again. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for your call. We uh, really appreciate it, and uh, you know, get registered to vote in New York if you can. Well, no, well, no, I live out in Suffolk County. I'm in New oh, York. Oh, in Suffolk, oh, in Suffolk. Okay. Suffolk well, hey, you know, we oh, can always, uh, we can always use more people moving into the city and uh, and uh, joining joining the party. So uh, we do appreciate your call either way. Thanks very much for calling in. And uh, if you're just joining us, this is 99.5 FM, WBAI, uh, New York. And we are streaming live at WBAI.org, uh, as well as on 99.5 FM. And again, uh, I'm Celeste Katz, your host tonight until 11 o'clock. And uh, I don't know if, uh, as I said, I don't know if it's over till it's over, but it's uh, it's looking like uh, Jumani Williams of the It's Time Let's Go Party, uh, Brooklyn Councilman uh doing a, a yeoman's a yeoman's work here i have right now with uh just over 81 percent of the vote counted we have uh Jumani williams with slightly under 33 percent of the vote this is uh not not fluky here we have uh eric ulrich common sense party uh queen's councilman a republican as it turns out uh 19 uh to one percent of the vote and uh former city council speaker melissa mark viverito coming in uh 11.03 percent of the vote and uh again this is very very interesting to me uh you know jamani williams obviously had a lot of support he is well known uh in the community he's been very outspoken on the kinds of issues that i think and again, you know, call in and, and correct me if you, you uh, think I'm wrong, but uh, the kinds of issues that I think people seek out the help uh, and guidance of the public advocate on, things like um, you know, police community relations, for example, uh, active, uh, you know, people in this race were active in the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement, uh, 212-209-2877 is our number. 212-209-2877, in addition to who you voted for. I'm also interested to know about what was your experience today at the polls? Uh, in November, there were some reports that there were uh, machine breakdowns and, uh, you know, some uh, some confusion and some... Uh, uh, some drama at the polls, seeing a little bit more that people were uh, were having a better experience. But maybe, again, that's just because turnout uh, was obviously a little bit lower. People were super, super ultra excited to uh, participate in the midterms. This is a, an off-cycle election for a single local office here, although the people in uh, the people in um, Chicago are also voting, so I think we have either another caller or we have our next guest uh, who want to talk about public advocates' race, and this is our. Uh, who do we have? Who do we have, Max? We have a caller. We have a, our guest. A caller. A caller. Okay. And by the way, I'm not here alone. We are not alone. Max here in the studio, running the boards for us, and we have a caller. So let's say hello. Uh, you are an, on WBAI. Uh, what's your name and where are you from? Welcome to the program. Yeah, I'm, I'm Ken. I'm Ken. I'm Ken. Hi, Ken. Did you uh, want to talk about the public advocates race tonight? Yes, yes, uh, yes, I do. Okay, what's on your mind? 
Well, you know, I, I really, I got up and I didn't know really who I was going to vote for. I just knew that there was an election today. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who I was going to vote for. But then I, I decided, um, when I thought about the, the, when I think about the history of a people, I said, well, look, uh, you know, I got to vote. I'm going to vote. And I, I went to vote. And who did you vote for, if you don't mind my asking? Jamani, Jamani uh, Williams. Jamani Williams. Okay, tell me why you liked him. What What was it about him that uh, well, made Well, I him? know that I have, you know, I haven't did a, done a little uh, too much following up on him, but I knew that he'd been working, and he'd been working hard and stuff like that all along. So I knew that he had just ran a race, and he came kind of close. And uh, so I said, well, let me, uh, and then just uh, about uh Three days ago, they said something about the fact that um, he had some kind of problems with uh, some domestic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, um, um, I think I should really vote for him. And um, what do you hope that the public advocate will do for you? Now, I mean, you, you took the time to get out and, and vote and, and look at this contest. I mean, what does the public advocate office mean to you? Well, I... It's sort of an overview, an overview of the, you know, the, pop, the uh, you know, the job of the mayorship in, um, in general, to 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 overhaul uh, the activities activities of the of the, the office that that is you know pers- you know just is just a, a little way above him, and so seek out the or, you know the. Uh, Whatever uh, I think you really should follow the, the the trail, the money trail, the trail of the money, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the office of uh, just just above him. Oh no, that's absolutely, and we we were uh, fortunate to have somebody on from the uh, campaign finance board a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, there is uh, there are millions of dollars here uh, involved in this in this office. It's not perhaps the biggest. It's by far, in fact, not the biggest office in city government, but it is uh, it is an office that is supposed to be. Uh, Helping the people, uh, right. counterbalance, right? You know, uh, yeah, watching yeah. out for uh, watching out for the people. Uh, yeah. Is there? And before before I let you go, and thank you for your call. Is there is there one area of city government that you hope the new public advocate will really keep an eye on? If it's uh, public services, if it's uh, uh, you know police community relations, if it's uh, keeping the streets clean or crime or what what what's on your you know what's the top of your list? I would say just a, a general overview, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. general overview of, of, of what's really happening with the office. Okay, great. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for voting, and uh, thanks for calling in to uh, WBAI. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much. And when I went there, when I went to vote, yeah. there, wasn't that much, there wasn't that much people there. I, was, I, wa- I walked in, and I walked out. Ah. Well, at least you walked in. That's the important part. You walked in and you voted. So uh, thank you again for your call and thanks for your thoughts. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM and we're streaming live on 
WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz, your host here tonight for special coverage of the New York City public advocate race. And we are fortunate enough right now to be joined by another BAI host and a guy who knows a lot about city uh, city politics. It's uh, calling in from the field, Jarrett Murphy. Uh, He's the executive editor of City Limits. And he's also the other half of the Max and Murphy program here. Uh, they're on WBAI on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. He's been watching this race very closely, and I'm glad to have him uh, here with me to figure out what's going on. So, uh, Jarrett, what's up? Hi, Celeste. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Uh, I totally appreciate you uh, helping me out. We are looking at some what looks like some uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty heavy lean towards Jamani uh, Williams. What's the, uh, what's the scene? Well, so I am at the London Irish Pub on East 116th Street, uh, 116th Street in El Barrio, which is the uh, election night headquarters for Melissa Mark Viverito. And she arrived here about 20 minutes ago. The crowd was already pretty subdued because uh, the numbers for her were not looking great. Uh, she kind of circulated through the crowd, uh, saying hello to people, giving some hugs, and then just sitting and watching the TV, and uh, she was in the room when New York won anyway, called the race for Jumani Williams, and a kind of groan came up from the crowd. It wasn't very boisterous. Mm. Um, there's clearly sadness in the room. I don't think there's necessarily surprise exactly because folks had no idea what to expect. You know, I think as we've said throughout this race, this is such uncharted territory, a citywide election, um, uh, that's a special election with no runoff provision, um, no primaries, and um, uh, coming with so many candidates in the field, just no one knew exactly how it would break. And uh, I don't know if the number she got is, uh, is something that, that shocks people or not, but there was disappointment in the room. Um, a lot of people uh, who have known her a long time and believe in her kind of fighting back tears. Um, she's been kind of quietly moving through the room and, and a moment ago stepped over to the side, I think probably to compose her remarks i'm assuming to give uh to give them soon right well i you know it's very having covered a lot of elections as you have obviously i've known known you for uh, quite a while we've uh, crossed paths many a time um it's 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 always interesting to to gauge the the feeling of a room when people have sort of really sunk their you know hearts and souls into these campaigns and really believe in the candidate and then you know have to uh, watch that candidate maybe, you know, make a concession speech and uh, and figure out what to do with the uh, with the rest of their lives. I mean, do did you have a sense of yourself or from talking to people either one about why things went the way they did? I mean, she was certainly somebody in a prominent position, city council speaker, had a lot of power. Uh, you know, anybody have any thoughts? You or, or yeah, other I mean, people? just yeah. kind of snatches of it here and there. I think there was a feeling that. Um, you know, the, the Me Too moment, the fact that she was a prominent, uh, accomplished uh, female elected official, I think there was a thinking that that would have more currency this year, given the overall environment around issues of gender, and that did not seem to arrive. Um, I think there's a feeling that despite her accomplishments on criminal justice reform, uh, you know, she was an early uh, skeptic of stop and frisk. She obviously is a big reason why the city has adopted closing Rikers as its uh, stated policy, that um, she did not manage to be as closely identified with that issue as, as Councilman Williams is. Um, 
And, you know, I feel like they also think that you know, the New York Times uh, endorsement probably hurt them. And they, they, someone was recalling that the Times backed uh, one of Melissa Margarito's rivals uh, when she was running for council speaker in, in 2013, 2014. So I think probably a feeling there was a, a mix of factors. And obviously the question everyone's asking is what comes next. And I think a lot of candidates now are thinking about that. You know, we are looking at a, a June potential June primary. Um, and a November general election, and I don't know what people will be looking for exactly in the numbers to figure out if there is room for um, a contest, especially in a Democratic primary. You know, Williams taking 31% or so of the field in this 16-way race is uh, maybe not exactly a mandate, but but pretty darn strong given the, the size of the field. So I don't know exactly how those tea leaves will be read tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see as you say. I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And just to uh, to update the listeners here, according to the uh, uh, New York City Board of Elections readout, we are at just over 84 percent of scanners reported. We have Jamani Williams with 33.09 percent. Uh, Eric Ulrich with 19.2 percent, and Melissa Mark Viverito with 10.98 percent. Um, and it's it's interesting, you know, that you mentioned about the uh, uh, sort of the Me Too era. That was a very very big uh, theme, certainly when I was covering the the midterm elections, national midterm elections, um, and a lot of people were talking about the historic number of women who were voting, women of color, uh, you know, uh, younger people, uh, people who who were not sort of necessarily you know fitting the mold of the traditional politician, and there was a, a question of whether that would carry on into other elections, and obviously potentially whether it'll carry on into uh, 2020. Um, do you think that there's do people feel any sort of like sense of disconnect like we had this you know quote unquote pink wave i hate that phrase it's so whack but <laughs> you know yeah. i know it's gross right <laughs> you know uh but uh you know this year of the woman 2.0 whatever like maybe people had had high hopes that that would have a real ripple effect right down to the local level even in a special election yeah, you know, what's funny is that, I mean, even in 2017, we were talking, and this was really before the, you know, the year the woman was declared, that one of the predicted effects of that election was a, a real loss of power for women in New York City in terms of the number of seats they held in the city council. Hmm. It was dramatic loss. And I feel as though there hasn't been as much um, concern about that as one might have expected. And here you had a case where, you had three women in this field of 16, and you had um, Melissa Mark Viverito as a former citywide official, basically, um, and people running for an office that had been held, uh, that had been held uh, by a woman, uh, Letitia James, until she became attorney general. So you, you know, had the, the situation of, of essentially now all four citywide offices being held by men, uh, three of them white men, that that just didn't penetrate. And I wonder, you know, we've talked about this in different fora, you know, the city's campaign finance system, other things that have been done to try to open up the political process, they have somewhat successfully diversified city politics in terms of race and ethnicity, um, but they have not done the same in terms of gender. And the question of how one accomplishes that, how one gets people to identify that as a, a reason for, um, for, for the reforms um, is, a, is a really important question.
That's uh, no, that's uh, that's a, a great point, and I think that everything that you've talked about, it's really, uh, you know, it's really amazing. And, and New York City politics, of course, as long as I've covered it, which is really long, it never uh, never ceases to uh, ceases to amaze me. So, um, looking forward, I have this little crystal ball. But if uh, Jamani Williams is declared the victor, do you have any sense of uh, you know? how he may use the office or uh, how things may change from any other occupant of, of the uh, public advocate spot. Well, he is, you know, his self label of activist politician. He means that I think very genuine, genuinely. And I think he really has adopted that, you know, um, everything from sort of the, his manner of dress, you know, issuing uh, ties instead uh, wearing a lot of uh, buttons and pins mm-hmm. um, to how he conducts himself. I mean, he's obviously, a very intelligent, articulate public official, but he does have this ability to um, to do it with a, a real activist lens. I think that's going to be different from any previous holder of the public advocate's office. I think what's going to be interesting, especially because you know that there could be a relatively short time until he's tested by an election again. Mm-hmm. You know, Williams' ability to manage uh, a large office will be an interesting test. Um, you know, he'll have a staff of 45, which is not huge, but certainly bigger than a city council member has. He'll have a budget of $3.6 million. He'll have a citywide constituency to serve, any number of issues falling onto his plate. Um, and getting a hold of that quickly and demonstrating that he can manage that is going to be important, not just to holding on to public advocate and doing well there, but certainly if he has any ambition for additional office, not to get ahead of ourselves, but it's obviously what people think about when they think about public advocates. Uh, you know, he will be, as of, I guess, immediately, right? He will be a heartbeat away from being mayor of New York City, an unlikely event, and, and hopefully unlikely, but uh, but a reality that he is now, you know, the number two citywide official, official and next in line should there be a vacancy at, um, you know, one of the one of the biggest jobs in the world. Well, yeah, and I mean... Look, I, I, I understand we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but all right, let's get ahead of ourselves a little bit. Come on. You know, <laughs> Why not? it's like ten o'clock almost ten o'clock on a Tuesday, you know, it's a a relatively small turnout election. We can we can postulate a little bit. Yeah, I've been at a bar for an hour and haven't had a single drink. I mean it's obviously a weird night. So yes, go uh, ahead. Well okay, well that that is the biggest news of the night. Hang on a second, let me put a, put a couple of tweets out on that one. No, but but really, I mean look, I mean I've said this before on, on other programs on, on driving forces, and uh, I'm sure you've talked about it on, on your program on, on Max and Murphy. But, uh, you know, the, the same joke about like AG being what is like aspiring governor or waiting governor. I was trying to figure out what is, you know, public advocate PA. What is that like politically ambitious or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, is this all like, you know, mayoral springboard Olympics type stuff or, uh, you know. Every, nobody wants to come out and say it five seconds after they've gotten elected. And of course, these are all unofficial event, uh, unofficial results. But, uh, you know, where do you see? I mean, do you see that being the path? I, I, I don't think Jamani Williams has ever been seen as somebody who is not politically ambitious. That's right. No, I think so. And I'm not sure that's a problem. You know, sometimes folks treat that as like a knock on someone that they aspire to higher office. And obviously, you don't want someone who's just a rank opportunist was just thinking about, you know, something four steps away. Sure. Uh, but the idea that you want to perform well in a job to get a promotion is kind of basic to, like, most of our careers. So I'm not sure it's the worst thing. Um, you know, I don't know what his, what his 
plans are, his ambitions are. Remember, a few months ago, he was running for lieutenant governor. Yes. Um, before that, there was some talk that he might run for governor. He obviously ran for speaker, and that didn't work out. So he's been obviously searching for a larger platform. Now he has one. And depending on what you want to do, it's a pretty great job if you can command media attention. That's really the key thing. That's what Mark Green did. That's what Betsy Gottbaum did not do. That's what de Blasio and Tish James did with varying degrees of success. If you can command media attention and get that bully pulpit, and if you can be seen as you know, a major player in the city and kind of an antidote to the mayor, um, mm-hmm. then you can do a lot of good and have a lot of impact and, you know, write a ticket for something down the road. Um, you know, the timing for Williams will be interesting in that if he, you know, succeeds tonight and is returned to office in November, he will serve out Tish James' term. And so he will be in the midst of his shortened first term um, when the 2021 election comes along. He will not be term limited. He would be term limited four years later. Mm. Um, you know, so like that math gets kind of interesting, and, and obviously we can kind of walk out on that. Um, but... You know, it's hard to, obviously hard to predict how all these other uh, dominoes are going to fall. I mean, if you think about it, tonight, a lot of the candidates who are running in this race, 14 of them, were, they were punching above their weight. They were taking a shot at leaping up in class um, in terms of their political standing. Virtually everybody running um, really could, could expect not to win, and that would be okay. The two candidates with the most to lose were Jumani Williams and Melissa Marks of Rito, because they were people who were already citywide names, already touted as potential candidates for higher office. Uh, Melissa mentioned often as a potential mayoral candidate in 2021. Um, and, you know, she, I think, did lose the most tonight um, by not winning. And uh, Williams uh, certainly gained the most and protected his viability for, for something down the road. Yeah, it's really interesting looking at it again, the... Uh, the uh, results keep rolling, so we'll have more updates, but we're now at almost uh, uh, 86% of scanners counted uh, by the Board of Elections tally. We have uh, Jumani Williams at 33%, Eric Ulrich at 19.17, and Melissa Mark Viverito at just over 11%. So uh, maybe the last question, I know you're like out there covering, so I'm not going to like talk your head off, but uh, what do you think, you know, you said she has she and Jamani Williams who had the most to uh, the most at stake. What do you think it says about her that she's getting uh, at this point at least overcome by a Republican from Queens? Well, I think that's interesting because if if you think about it one way, it's like there there really was kind of a primary here, and Eric Ulrich got the Republicans who came out to vote. I'm not sure who how much the other Republican in the race, uh, Manny Alejandro, got. I'm assuming not very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Ulrich had the Daily News and the Post endorsement. Um, you know, he was the only real Republican, noted Republican in the race. Um, you know, there was the Daily News argument that it made sense to vote for him strategically, even if you didn't like him, because then there would be a contested race come November. So I don't know how much it matters that um, he beat Melissa. So if you think about it that way, Melissa placed um, a, a distant second in the Democratic primary uh, that occurred tonight, um, you know, ahead of Michael Blake, but not that much, and well behind Jumani. Um, I think, you know, what does it say about her? I'm not sure, you know, whether it means if, if someone else were not in that race. And it's easy to go down the identity politics card in New York and say, you know, if there were not two other people with uh, Latino surnames, maybe she would have done better. There weren't two other women who, you know, both of whom 
um, made both debates and had a lot of money to spend. Maybe she would have done better. And I don't know if you heard a few minutes ago, someone walked down the street past where I'm doing this interview and cheered the fact that Melissa Marchabrito had lost. Oh, I heard um, something. Ye- I has- heard somebody yelling. What was that? Tell, tell us what that was. So that was a woman who was saying, yay, she lost, she lost, she's a sellout. And, you know, this is something that has been out there about North River for a long time in her own neighborhood is people who um, do not like her and, and very much do not like her and, you know, have campaigned as sort of anyone but Melissa. In fact, there was an email that circulated among reporters and others uh, this weekend saying those very words. Wow. So I think more than Jumani Williams, she has real enemies in the electorate. I don't know that they are earned or not. Um, and so they might have been enough to, to really thwart her, um, particularly in her base of power here. Uh, but again, I think that looking at the neighborhoods and looking at how the different candidates and, and envisioning some what-ifs will be big to determining you know, why she lost and also whether and what kind of political future she has. Absolutely. And uh, Jarrett Murphy is executive editor of City Limits, 